Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. You know after this week, you're going to have to take your bookmark, your Bible mark, and you're going to have to change it. Don't you know that? Some of you may be disturbed when you come next week and the next, and all of a sudden you're not where you thought you might be. I know for some of you, you think Proverbs may be the only preaching material people have today because we've been looking at it for so long and we've been talking about it. And again, it is a tremendous word that God has given us in the book of Proverbs. I mean, God has given us so much practical instruction. I have absolutely loved it. It's probably one of the best and uh, most my most favorite moments that I've been able to study through a series and preach through a series. Maybe it's just the people. Maybe it's just the people I'm preaching to. Is that what it is? Maybe that's it. But I have certainly enjoyed working through the book of Proverbs. And, and there's so many other things that we have not touched. I mean, just reading through in the last few weeks, there are so many other subjects. There are so many other topics that the writer speaks about. And so many other things that we could talk about. I encourage you to keep reading through the book of Proverbs. We certainly did not mind all of the treasures that are there. But as God speaks and as he works and uses us in our lives, I do believe that we have come to a completion of this study right now. And today as we cap it off, I hope that we will somewhat return to the beginning. That we will see that wisdom comes from God himself and that wisdom can only come from him. Today I want us to close with what I call a twofold confession. It is a wise confession that we should make as we come to this moment in our lives and as we reflect upon his wisdom and his work. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 30 verse 1. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, his utterance. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ucal. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have knowledge of the Holy One, who has descended into heaven or descended, who has gathered the wind in his fist, who has bound the waters in a garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name, and what is his son's name, if you know? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Now notice here, Agur comes and he gives us, I think, a wise confession, a twofold confession that we need to embrace in our lives. Notice what he says first. First, he says basically to God, as he cries out to God, he basically says, I am not adequate. I am not adequate. As a matter of fact, I am totally inadequate when it comes to wisdom in my life. Now, again, in verse 1, it says, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel, and Ucal. Some of you have different translations, and in that translation, it'll even communicate a sense of weariness. Instead of taking these as personal nouns, as the King James did, some of them will translate these words and you'll see something like, I have become weary or I am wearisome. And that certainly flows with the context of this passage because in verse 2 it says, Surely I am, and apologize for the language here the New King James chooses, but it says, Surely I am more stupid than any man. 
Sorry, parents, you'll have to explain that to your children when you get home. But notice here, it is a cry of inadequacy. He says, Lord, when I look at my life and I try to consider wisdom and who I am and how I put things together, he said, when I do that, I recognize how totally inadequate I am. How totally inadequate I am. Now, let me say this this morning. I certainly believe that God has given given us reasoning capabilities. I believe God has given us a, a capacity to study and to learn. I am thankful for that. We live in a community where you have basically two universities that are right here that are that are dedicated to the study, to the improvement of individuals. So I believe that you can study. I believe that you can learn. This whole book has been about wisdom and how people can come to wisdom. I certainly believe that. But the confession that should be made here in the beginning and even at the end is that we are totally inadequate apart from God and His wisdom in our lives. That we are totally inadequate in our lives. We are dependent upon him for wisdom. We are dependent upon him for revelation. That's what he says here. He says, I do not have the understanding of a man. Over in Psalm 73, the same language is employed. And in Psalm 73, verse 21, it says, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant... I was like a beast before you. I was like a beast before you. Now, for you that have little lovely dogs and you think they're the greatest things that ever existed and they're some of the smartest, I'm not trying to offend you this morning, okay? But I'm saying to you that without God's wisdom and God's work in our lives, then we would have no more wisdom than an animal itself. That's basically what he says. He says... I am so dependent upon God for wisdom. I am so dependent upon him to work in my life that I would be no different from the animal kingdom if God had not worked in my life and God had not given me the reasoning capabilities that I have and that he was trying to lead me in the ways of wisdom. That's what he says. I am totally inadequate. You hear that, don't you? I mean, don't you hear that? Word communicated here in the beginning. Now, it's somewhat difficult to admit your inadequacies, right? Any of us? Totally foreign to us to say, I'm inadequate. Most of the time, we would try to prove that we are adequate for something. We try to prove that we're adequate to be in the position we are at work or we're trying to prove that we're totally adequate to be where we are in the church's life and all of that. We're trying to prove that we're adequate. And many of us do not like to admit that we are inadequate. We we don't like to think in a negative way. I mean, that's bad self-esteem, right? We don't want to promote bad self-esteem. I had a lady come to me one time, and she looked at me, and she said, Brother Reggie, she said, I don't like that song, Amazing Grace. And you know what that's like for somebody to say that they do not like amazing grace? I mean, this is the classic hymn of the century, centuries, right? 
I mean, amazing grace. Every, everybody loves them. Even those that are caught up in contemporary, oh, you'd love amazing grace in its own setting and time. So I looked at her with probably a bit of disdain, and I said, why do you not like amazing grace? She said, because it uses the word wretch. I said, the word wretch. She said, yeah, it says something about my being a wretch. Remember? Saved a wretch like me. And I just don't like that. I don't think I'm a wretch. Do you think I'm a wretch? Now, <laughs> don't remember exactly what I said, but I found one of those politically correct pastor's answers at that moment. But I never forget that. I, I said to myself then, you know, we as a people, we do not like to be diminished in our value. We, we like, I mean, we, to be a wretch. And yet when we come to Christ, when we come to God, and when we recognize who he is, we recognize that we are wretches before him. That we are nothing apart from him. That our that our wisdom, that our adequacy, it comes directly from God. Years ago, there was this guy named Jesse Ventura. You're about to give yourself away. He used to be involved in wrestling for a little while. And then he made the natural transition from wrestling to politics. Some of you remember. He became governor of the state of Minnesota. And he made a, quote, a comment. He, there was a quote that was given by him. Some of you may remember this. It was disturbing to the Christian communities at the time. I'll never forget when I read it the first moment. And he said... Organized religion is a sham. This is a quote. Organized religion is a sham and a crutch for weak-minded people. Now you can imagine how initially I responded. I mean, I was so upset, I was so angry to think that he would speak in such a derogatory term toward believers. And certainly to this day I still dismiss that kind of attitude that he had. But it was one of the other guys, one of the other pastors that wrote a response to it, an, an article that somehow captured, I think, the positive side of Ventura's quote, his words. And basically what Jim said as he wrote this article is this, that certainly he disagreed with the demeanor he disagreed with the attitude he disagreed with the idea that it is a sham but he said you know what Ventura hit kind of close to home when he spoke about it being a crutch for the weak-minded and what he meant by that was this all of us are dependent upon God for wisdom and reason and thought every one of us the difference in us who are believers and others is that we have recognized our inadequacy. 
we have recognized that need. All of us. Look, sin has infected and affected everything about us. Sin has affected our reasoning capability. Sin has affected our thoughts. And we are dependent upon Him for wisdom. We are totally inadequate without Him. I think that is exactly what Agur says here. He says, I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. I am dependent upon Him for the revelation in my life, for wisdom in my life. Now look, personally speaking, each day I am reminded of my own inadequacies. Every day. I don't know about you, but there are times I look at moments of my life and relationships in my life and I think to myself how totally inadequate I am to be able to deal with this and work through this. That is inadequate in my own strength, in my own wisdom. I think there are days when I think how inadequate I am to be the husband I should be or to be the father I should be, how inadequate I truly am to to be the pastor that I should be. Those things constantly plague my mind and remind me of that sense of inadequacy. I remember it was truly uh, exemplified when I got ready to... uh, become pastor there in Zachary. I, I remember that the church had contacted me and we had talked about coming and I had gone into the seminary office down in New Orleans and I had seen Dr. Argel Smith. Now, Argel looked at me at that point. Argel will be here in a couple weeks and be uh, sharing with us in our senior adult Bible study. But Argel looked at me that day and he said, Reggie, are you, are you going over to Zachary? Now, it surprised me, first of all, because I didn't think anybody was supposed to know. Preachers and professors can be some of the biggest gossips sometimes, you know. <laughs> but I did not think that he even knew. And he said, Reggie, are you going to go to, to Zachary? And I looked at him and I said, I don't know. And he said, what don't you know about it? And I said, well, Dr. Smith... 27 years old and you know I've never pastored a church that size and you know I just I just don't know if I can and he looked at me and he said well just know this you can't and I said I appreciate that vote of confidence that you've given me I love you for that always you speak the truth he said no no you listen to what what I'm gonna say and I was expecting some big biblical story or so or something like that but he looked at me and he said you you know, when you get there, you're going to be kind of like Tom Cruise. <laughs> now, at first, the pride and the vanity of looking like Tom Cruise may have... But I said, what are you... I'm going to be like... He said, yeah, 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 yeah. You remember back uh, years ago in that movie when Tom Cruise was in that movie and he said he was, he was there, he was standing before the judge and the judge looked at him and said, son... Are you in over your head? And Tom Cruise looked at him and said, Absolutely. I'm absolutely in over my head. He said, You're going to get there and you're going to say, You know what? You are totally in over your head. That's what's going to happen in your life. But that's when, in your inadequate moment, 
God is going to show his adequacy and his strength. Never forget that. Never forget that conversation. Because he said to me, if we're always doing things that we think we can do, there's not much ministry in that. There's not much power in that. If we only do what we think we can. You see, all of us are inadequate in whatever we're doing. Again, daily I'm reminded in my relationships as a pastor. Leslie will tell you that almost every Sunday I'm just as nervous as I was the first Sunday when I ever preached. Because I think to myself when I come here in this place how inadequate I truly am. No matter how much study, no matter how much I've given myself to the Scripture, how totally inadequate I am. To stay in. And then to help people and work with people and their relationships and their. This morning, talking with a family that's uh, approaching the death of their father, their grandfather, their husband. How inadequate I am to be able to speak. So many times I could literally make this confession. Surely I do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the Holy One. Lord, I am totally inadequate. And I am totally dependent upon you. But my friends, that is the confession that every one of us in this place should make. Every one of us in this place, we should come to that moment to where we say, Lord... We are totally inadequate apart from you. Now understand, we do that in salvation. And you have to in salvation. You understand that you can't be saved. You you can't inherit eternal life unless you make that confession that God, I can't do this on my own. I can't work myself to heaven. I've got to have your work, your sacrifice applied to my life. I understand we do that in salvation. But my friends, that should be the consistent attitude of our lives as well. Because after you're saved, while God provides that salvation and that work, still know that you are inadequate to do your service, to do your work apart from Him. Still. So we make the confession. We say, Lord, Lord. I'm totally inadequate on my own. But get this. A wise confession has a twofold part. And notice it says in verse 4 through 6, basically what he says is that, but God, but God, you are totally adequate. You are more than adequate for me. He says, who has descended into heaven or who has ascended into heaven or descended? In other words, who has this great strength that they could have ascended into heaven or come down from heaven? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name if you know? He says, who could even begin to measure up to the greatness and the grandeur of God. He says, who could even begin to do that? Again, reminding us of our inadequacy, but reminding us also of His great strength, His adequacy for our lives. The rhetorical questions here. Who could do this? Only God Himself. 
Only God himself could do these kinds of things. Only this God that we serve is the great creator, all-powerful one. And he has the power to work in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can work in your life in such an adequate way that he can take your human weakness and he can bring his glory and his work out of it? I hope you do. Because that's the God we serve. I, I love the studies we've been doing on Wednesday nights on Elisha and looking at the power of God as it was manifest through the prophet's life. I love that. I love the studies in the book of Acts when you look at the power of God through the church. Why do I love it so? Because it reminds me that the same power that worked among the church and God's people of the past is the same exact power that works through us today to accomplish his task and that it is through him that he is more than adequate, that he has the power. Last week, last week we talked about friendship. We talked about a biblical concept, I think, of friendship. And I ended that message by reminding you that the greatest friend that we have is Jesus Christ. And that he lay his life down for us in the greatest example of love that we could imagine. I reminded you of that last week. And certainly there is that concept of friendship. There's that concept of intimacy that comes from knowing God. But may I balance that for you this week? Because I think if you are to have the right view of God, you have to have a balance. Yes, God is our greatest friend. And yes, God is imminent and he is close. But when I look at verse 4, I am also reminded that this God that we serve is the God of the universe. That he is all-powerful. That he is the creator that he transcends our thoughts and he transcends this world, that he is the great God. He is truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Look, today we're not here. We're not here to mourn a pitiful Savior. We are here to worship the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And you should never forget that. That while it is great to sing of his great imminency with us, that intimacy that he grants us. We also need to be reminded, just as Isaiah did, that this is the God who is high and lifted up on the throne. And that when you see him and you, and you see him for who he is, then all you can do is respond, Lord, I'm inadequate. But you, my God, are more than adequate and powerful to work in our lives. What is his name? And you got to love this. What is his son's name? You ought to underline that in the proverb here. I mean, how many years, hundreds of years, was this written? 
for the coming of Christ. How many years had pa- how many years passed before Jesus took on flesh and came? Now I know I've read it says don't read too much back into this. Don't try to but my friends isn't there something here of how God even shows his greatness in this passage by in Proverbs 30 pointing toward the son that would come? I mean that he would just so happen to mention that not only God but his son in this greatness that you see because in verse 5 and verse 6 we are reminded that he is totally adequate for us and that his word is totally adequate for the decisions we make, for the wisdom that we need. He says every word of God is pure. Pure, that word there means it has been tried, it has been refined. Every word that God has spoken has been tried and refined and it is just what he intended it to be and it is just what we need for our lives. When I recognize my inadequacy, maybe it's walking with a family through difficult moments and thinking to myself, what should I say? How should I comfort? God, I need wisdom. When I walk through those moments... I recognize not only the adequacy of God, but also His Word. So many times, His Word itself, that has been tried again and again, that has been refined in the flames of fire, that His Word will minister to people, speak to people, guide me. If there's a decision that needs to be made in my life, I try to just go start reading and let him speak. At the first of this year, we had an emphasis of what we called our core value, authoritative truth. You remember that? Psalm 119. Please tell me you do so I don't have to start that series again next <laughs> couple weeks. The authoritative truth of God, how trustworthy it is, how wonderful, and how it guides. That's not just an emphasis for six weeks. That should be a lifestyle mentality that we have. That God's word is something that we can go to and we can hear. And look, we need him and his wisdom. See, I say this goes full circle back from chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 7, what did it say? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That is, if we're going to be truly wise and we're going to have the wisdom we need in our lives, we're going to discern those things. We've got to begin with Him. And we begin with Him by turning to His Word. My friends, this Word is as though He is speaking to you just verbally and personally today. When you read it, when you open it, it's as though you are communicating with Him. And you can take those principles and apply them to your lives. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. He is there. God does not try to hide from us, but God is one who is there to shield us and protect us as we trust 
him. A God who is there to willingly give the wisdom that we need. But there is a warning. As we make this confession, God, we are totally inadequate, but we believe that you are more than adequate. There's a caution here that he gives us. He says, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Too often we go and we read, we know what God says, but then we attempt to revise it, add. We try to improve. I will tell you this day, you will never improve upon God's word. You'll never, never improve upon his counsel to you. What he says to you is the best that you could receive. Do not add. In so many other passages, we are told not to add. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, Moses said, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. In Revelation, the Revelation chapter 22, in verse 18, it said, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. Strong warnings to us. Not to add Revise what God has said, but rather just receive it. Now, may I say this? There are days that I may receive his word, and they may not go along with my plan. There may be days when I receive his word, and that that word, it challenges me, and it convicts me. But instead of adding to his word and trying to revise it in a way that I believe would be much more comfortable for my life. God has directed me to accept that word and trust that word and allow that word to be adequate for my life. The confession. As we close this time of wisdom... As we close this time of study in the book of Proverbs, I say to you, the confession is this. I'm totally inadequate. But God, you are more than adequate. In this day in this place, God wants you to approach him with such a confession, with such a posture. For those of you who've never been saved, I would say it's, Very clear, it is a place of coming and saying, I am inadequate, I am a sinner, I have have failed in my life, but Lord, I believe in you, I trust in you, I confess you, I surrender my life to you. Certainly we see how that applies to salvation. And I would encourage you, if you've never done that, to come this morning and to be saved. But again, we don't leave that confession at salvation, do we? In your life today, in your in your family's relationships that you're struggling with, in your job and where you are, even now as you face physical issues in your life, may I say to you that that confession should be a reality. God, I know I'm saved, and I know you worked in my life, 
But God, I know that every day I'm still inadequate apart from you. God, I still need you. And I need you to work and fulfill these things in my life. And today in this place, whether it's here at this altar or whether it's right where you are, in the balcony or here on the floor, there's a place for you to make that confession as you seek him and you allow his adequacy to overwhelm your inadequacy as he works in your life and accomplishes his will. Listen as the Spirit speaks today and be obedient. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. And God, this is a tough confession for some of us to make. Lord, to be quite honest, we like to prove our adequacy to people and to you sometimes. But God, I pray that you would just grab hold of our hearts this morning. That you would show us who we are. You know us better than we know ourselves. And God, today in this place, that we would do business with you and we would make such a confession. That Lord, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't face this, these physical issues. We can't face these relational issues. We cannot do this by ourselves. But Father, we know that through you, we can. And Father, there are many of us in this place that need wisdom today in how we relate to people and how we go forth in our lives and our jobs. And you said, Lord, that if we ask that you're will, willing to give liberally to us. God, this morning we cry out, we pray to you, we confess that need. And we beg for your wisdom. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? As